American athlete Nick Johnson once said, the further you get into technology, the further you go into gaming. That's the general rule. This is Save versus Ranked. Welcome to Save vs. Rant, the Everyman Gaming Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Jeremy. And welcome to the beginning of our second season. Woo! All right. So, who are we? I mean, you, you're tuning into this podcast that just says Save vs. Rant. What are you in store for? Well, Save vs. Rant is an Everyman Gaming Podcast. And by Everyman, we mean that we're not industry insiders, we're not celebrity gamers, and we're not celebrities commenting on gaming. We are just gamers, regular gamers like you and uh, basically us. (laughs) So, and we are here to discuss different aspects of role-playing and tabletop gaming in general, with a little light sprinkling of video games where pertinent. We are an everyman gaming podcast about every gaming topic. John and I have a combined 40 years of gaming experience. We've been gaming together for about 15 years now, and we have one year of podcasting experience, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. And on previous episodes, we've discussed different aspects of games, reviewed games, discussed theories regarding mechanics and the social aspects of games, and even offered advice based on our own personal experience. We have a tendency to go on tangents in our real life. We talk with one another and just get furious. We've decided to distill that down into a lecture rant series that we've called Save vs. Rant. So let's get down to business. What's our topic today? Today we are talking about virtual tabletops. So, what are virtual tabletops? Well, when we talk about virtual tabletops, what we are talking about is getting an authentic tabletop gaming experience online. Now, that's different from a game that has some tabletop gaming type elements. Uh, There are some examples of that, like Civilization and Armello, and they are very tabletop gamey. They're like a board game when you play them, but they tend to have a lot of elements that would be extremely difficult to bring to a tabletop experience and are more video games than tabletop games. When we're talking about this sort of a game, we're talking about having an experience that you could have at a regular tabletop but having it online. Likewise, we're not really talking about games that have app integration. We're not talking about a board game that requires an app, like the XCOM board game. Because, well, you know, you know what? I'll just say right now, I hate those games. I hate every last one of them. You know, it's just bringing an element to a game that is clunky for a number of reasons, not least of which being the fact that this could shut down and no longer be a thing, and you, you wouldn't be able to play it. Or if you don't have access to your cell phone for some reason, but you do have the game with you, you need another item in order to to play when you have this app integration oh it just drives me nuts we'll talk about that at another point so let's dive right into virtual tabletops why would we do it why would we play a game on a virtual tabletop well the obvious reason is to do something you can't do normally and that is play with people who aren't physically present with you this means that you can play not only with uh, people who aren't able to make it for a face-to-face gaming experience but also with people in other cities other states other countries even you could be playing with a worldwide community of gamers, including people that you do not know, that you have met either through a matchmaking service or online in other ways. And this gives you a great opportunity to play with people you would not normally be able to play with. So we've broken down this topic into four different categories. The first one are dedicated game clients. 
those are where they've replicated a board game entirely online. Much like uh, Days of Wonders version of Ticket to Ride. Yeah, it's, which is absolutely fantastic. It is a fully integrated app. It does all the rules for you, shuffles all the cards, and tracks how many trains you have. It does a great job of giving you all the public information you should have in the game. For instance, how many cards players have in their hands and such, as well as the board state. It has all of the expansions, all of the rules, and it's just a great way to play Ticket to Ride. It does a great job of it. I I normally prefer to bring out the board to play the game, but if I want to play a quick pickup game, or if I'm not physically present with someone, like if I'm playing with my wife and I'm somewhere else and she's somewhere else, we can easily play on our mobile phone in order to uh, have a game experience together without being in the same location, which is absolutely brilliant. Days of Wonder does a great job with this. With all of their clients, they have uh, Small World, Splendor has one. Um, one of my favorites, Five Tribes, does not have one, though, which is a little disappointing but well uh, john you, you know why right no there's the the first edition of five tribes had slaves in it and they didn't want to have people trading slaves online wait it, what it had slaves in it yeah instead of the fakirs you had slaves <laughs> how did wait okay okay Okay, so so there was a second edition in 2015, after the first edition in 2014, the first edition had Slaves, and the second edition had Fakirs. I, I have the second edition, obviously. Um, okay, well, um, I guess you learn something new and terrible every day, but I'm, I guess I'm glad that they made the change. I'm a lot more comfortable playing it that way, but wow. And I hope they still make it into a tabletop app, so let's, let's just move on from that. Another game that has a really good dedication dedicated client is Dominion. Any deck building game, when it gets digitized, actually works really well. Our music producer, Timmy Skittles, likes to play Dominion online because it turns what can be an hour, hour and a half, even sometimes two hour long game into a nice, quick 30-minute pickup game. Also, it prevents all the wear and tear on your card. Oh, yeah, because you're doing... In Dominion, you do so much shuffling. I mean, it's just... It, it is the game of shuffling. No, so you don't have any wear and tear on the cards. It speeds up selection, I'm sure. And I remember the Dominion client actually does a really good job of tracking all the rules and stuff. So again, you know, you know that you are playing the game correctly. So that's one of the major advantages of these clients is that they're able to do rules checking for you and to run the game with all the rules in place. Which brings us to the second category, which can't do that, and that would be board game engines. There's really only two that kind of spring to my mind. There's Tabletop Simulator and Vassal, right? Yeah, Tabletop Simulator, which is available on Steam and is actually a pretty phenomenal experience. It is a full physics engine version of the tabletop experience. Uh, you can do things like shuffling cards. Uh, you can stack dice into a dice tower. I mean, it it is a physics simulator honestly, but it is meant to be able to play tabletop games. A couple of great things about that is it has a fantastic uh, Steam Workshop, as well as a lot of DLC available for it, so you can get a lot of different games on it. The only thing that I would caution about this is that it is kind of a hotbed of digital game piracy at this time, and it's kind of a weird topic... And I don't want to really... That's a rant for another day, honestly. But let's let's just summarize that by saying that please support game companies. Buy the games from the companies. Gaming is still one of the most efficient 
ways to get the best bang for your buck for your entertainment dollar. Uh, you go to a movie and you might have a, a single experience for $15 that lasts an hour and a half. I've got games that I have played dozens of times that have cost me $30 and that's 20, 30 hours of entertainment out of them. Some games even I've gotten way more than that. Honestly, some games like uh, Gloomhaven, for example, we, we've already gotten, what, 30, 40 hours of entertainment out of it and we've barely scratched the surface we've opened like four boxes we we aren't even anywhere close to being done with that game so just just to summarize buy games and don't be content to be able to access this material without paying for it having said that tabletop simulator is incredible it's a lot of fun and it does a really neat job of letting you not only play with the games as they're meant to be played with cards moving around dice being thrown on a table miniatures and stuff being moved around but also lets you kind of play with the physics which is a neat touch vassal not so much so yeah vassal is really only a 2d platform it just has cards that are flat it has the boards completely flat it doesn't have that third dimension which a lot of times keeps things from getting cluttered and getting knocked all over the place but there's something that can be said about seeing how tall a miniature really is yeah and vastly you can do things like stacking things but there's no real visual representation of that except that it shows you that there's several things stacked there vassal is pretty spartan and uh, likewise a lot of the material on vassal is kind of walking that gray line with piracy. There's a lot of work to make it uh, legitimate. The Arkham Horror modules for Vassal struck a happy medium by removing the rules texts from the cards, so it's just like the name of the card and you need the physical card in order to know what the rules text is. But I would hate having to dig through all of those cards just to read what the rules text are. I, I would have to have the whole game right next to me. Yeah, it's goofy, it's a little messed up, but it does provide you that ability to play with people online and play a persistent game of something that you might not be able to have a full sit-down for. And Arkham Horror is a great example for that because having a full sit-down of Arkham Horror can be a day-long endeavor. Now, having said that, Vassal does have kind of a high learning curve as far as actually working with it if you want to do anything more than just moving tiles and stacking cards. And does support some scripting, as does Tabletop Simulator. So uh, I'll admit I'm just that wonderful middle ground between tech savvy and complete Luddite. <laughs> and I, I hate things that aren't completely user friendly. I like things that are just right up front and I don't have to I, I don't want to have to learn a new program just to play a game that I already have. Right. So Tabletop Simulator, I think, then, is probably best for you. I know you've seen and played with Tabletop Simulator some, and it's a really cool piece of software. It, it has a table flip button. That makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, that, that is pretty awesome. Now that we've talked about board game engines, though, I think that we should move on to role-playing clients. So the big role-playing clients that I can think of are Roll20 and Map Tool. Roll20 is my personal favorite. It is super user-friendly. Whereas Map Tool requires a huge learning curve to the same level that Roll20 is at. I know that you can do so much more with Map Tool. 
if you know how to do it. Yeah, see, and, and like you said about straddling the line between uh, tech-savvy and Luddite, I kind of straddle the line between power user and full-on programmer. So I'm really comfortable in those sort of environments where a lot of that stuff is going on. I used to work in tech, so I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders for that sort of thing. So that doesn't intimidate me at all. So just to give an idea of the platforms, Roll20 is great because it's fully browser-integrated. You just use a regular web browser in order to run it. It does a fantastic job of being system agnostic, so you can play with basically any system you want. It's easy to set up. It's easy to work with. It's free, although a lot of the uh, more powerful features are behind something of a paywall. The free version has been definitely adequate for my games, and I've had both a free and paid account at different points, depending on my gaming needs. One of the things I like about Roll20 is that both Paizo and Wizards of the Coast support Roll20. You can play all of their adventure paths, all of their modules, right on Roll20 and have every single one of the resources that you need. You don't have to go through and digitize every last little thing. Well, Paizo is just getting into that game, but they've already uh, put their newest adventure path up on there, which is pretty incredible. As for Wizards of the Coast, I know that they've actually uh, gotten pretty embedded in this format. You can get, for example, Curse of Strahd on Roll20, and I seem to recall, yeah, they're, they're advertising it as being about 350 hours of prep time done for you. And I can believe that because I've prepped games on Roll20 before and I know how much effort can go into that sort of things. So Roll20 is great. It's very user-friendly. It's easy to set up and it's powerful. So why would I even recommend something else? Well, Map Tool I want to talk about first and I want to explain why I feel that it's still a valid choice even with something as awesome as Roll20 out there. Map Tool is made by RP Tools, which is a brand for uh, a number of role-playing tools, and it's Java-based piece of open-source software. It's free to download, and it runs on any platform that can run Java uh, 1.7, which means that there is a little bit of a software requirement in order to run it. Now, Map Tool pretty much does everything that Roll20 does, and has a scripting language that you can use to do all kinds of awesome things. I've actually written several scripts for uh, Map Tool. But the trick to Map Tool is, unlike Roll20, which runs in a browser and is run on Roll20 servers, Map Tool is open source software that you run on your own computer, you run as your own server, and you have other players connect to you. So ask me, why would I care about this? Why would you care about that, John? I'm glad you asked, Jeremy, because I come from the bad old days of the internet where services would appear and then shut down, sometimes with little or no notice. That's happening less and less frequently. But the uh, end of Vine, for example, is a great way of showing people that this still happens. Platforms shut down. And when a platform shuts down, you lose everything. It's gone. You no longer have access to your hard work and the things that you put on there. And that always makes me very uncomfortable, especially because my internet experiences have had several platforms shut down that I used for different things when I was younger. So 
my solution to this is typically to try to run things as much out of my own technology as I can. That's why I maintain a personal wiki on a Linode and I run it myself instead of trying to run it through, say, Wikia or another wiki service. Because while those would allow me to maintain my personal wiki and have it run exactly the way I want, if Wikia ever shuts down, I no longer have access to my material. And furthermore, they're free to throw advertisements into my material, to make changes to my material, or to decide my material doesn't match their terms of service and therefore is no longer permissible. Some things that I like about role-playing clients online come down to just my personal little tweaks. If I have a character that I have envisioned perfectly in my head and I get an artist friend to draw for me, I can then scan that picture in and use that as my miniature in both Roll20 and Map Tool. Likewise, if I find a picture online that I really love, I'm like, yes, this is the character that I want to play. I just copy it, paste it, put it into Map Tool, create a little pog miniature thing, and that's me. That's my character. It's I'm going around. Now, that is one, one interesting creative advantage of these platforms is that it's really easy to import art without having to rely on expensive printers or printing up a lot of stuff and using tons of ink. I mean, you don't have to have that sort of thing to still give that sort of experience. If you're a little bit tech savvy, and I do mean a little bit in this case, it's fairly easy to convert any imagery, sounds, or other set dressing elements into a digital platform like that without having to worry about like the physical bits that would be required in order to make it happen and that's actually pretty cool you you know i'm not much of an artist uh, I no yeah i don't really have any real skills there but what i can do is i can take a number of elements and put them together into a very nice compelling map in say map tool or roll 20 and have a really satisfactory map now normally in order to play on that map i'd have to do a lot of printing and use tons of ink and and maybe i wouldn't be as happy with the color once i throw it down onto my tabletop and it's not going to last long but on a platform like roll 20 or map tool you can do a great job of doing that and not have to worry about about the physical presentation of it, and that's really cool. So there's a few role-playing clients that only specifically support one game, that only specifically support Dungeons and & Dragons and the like. And while they work really, really well within those rule sets, we don't like them at all. Yeah, I've got I've got some experience with a few, and I'm not going to name drop them because, honestly, if I'm not going to endorse them, I, I don't care enough about them to, to put them down. But honestly, they do what they do pretty well. It's just that what they do isn't what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone to interpret the rules for me because what happens eventually is that I find myself in a situation where I want to do something different with the rules. And there's going to be two possibilities. One is going to be that this program locks me out of that decision. So I have to work around my software in order to do that, which is annoying. Or instead of facilitating this in a meaningful way, I just basically have to ignore the software as it is and proceed forward without it. In which case, why am I even using software that specifically supports a system? It doesn't really help me in any meaningful way. And it ends up just being an impediment and a burden to what I'm trying to accomplish. So honestly, are there other changes Tabletop clients? Yeah, absolutely. Do I care? No, not anymore. My last word on this is John and I, in our 
whole group, we, we like to juggle different role-playing games. Sometimes we'll play Dungeons & Dragons. Sometimes we'll play World of Darkness. Sometimes we'll play Fiasco. Sometimes we'll play Apocalypse World for a while. Sometimes I'll convince John to play Tales from the Loop. You've heard of that game, right, John? Uh, no. Okay, so I'm gonna have to convince you to play that. Okay, there we go. And these game-specific clients just don't let us play that. It doesn't let us experience these new games, which is... A big turnoff. So that's a big thing for me is this flexibility. And I feel that Roll20 and Map Tool are the most system agnostic tools that allow us to have that sort of flexibility in our planning and our presentation and honestly in our gaming. And that's what we're going for. The last one we have here is just plain old video communication. Let's say you have a game that you play every week, and one of your players has to go away for a month. Let's say, like has happened with me, uh, one of my players had to go to Texas for a month to visit his family. Well, that would mean, in most cases, that we wouldn't be able to play for a month. Or, worse, we'd play on without him. But, instead, we used Skype. Every week, he set up his camera and went, Okay guys, I'm here. Point the camera directly at the map. Show me what's going on. This is a wonderful thing to do if you don't want to have to digitize all of your assets, if you don't want to put all of these monsters and whatnot into a program and go, Okay, this is this monster, this is this monster. Okay, you have a well-painted mini here, but we're going to have to find a picture online to stand for you. And I know you like rolling your own dice, but uh, so that way everyone can see, roll it on the client as well. And frankly, if, if you're like me and just really like the, the chunky bits of the game, if you like moving the miniatures around and chucking the dice, sometimes video communication is just the right way to go. It definitely can work. It doesn't have any sort of integration with your game, which is a little bit disappointing, but also a little bit liberating. It does give you the ability to play the game as you want to play it, as it is meant to be played, and enjoy it the way it is without sacrificing any of your flexibility in that. And flexibility is a fantastic thing. If, if you're going to be adding these systems to your game, the, these tabletop clients and stuff, flexibility is huge. You don't need to be fighting with another piece of software just to actually play the game you are already playing. And video chatting clients are really just the most agnostic way to do this at all. You don't have to worry about anything telling you how you can do things. It also makes things like screen sharing easy if you wanted to like show someone something you've got on your laptop. You can just throw it up on the Skype and it'll, you know, it'll appear on their Skype. So it gives you some options and gives you some ways to run your game that are comfortable in a group that might be missing just one member or just having one member phone in. I know that for a while you were playing in a game where someone uh, Skyped in pretty consistently, weren't you? Uh, yes. Actually, your brother was Skyping in from work to play D&D while he was at his job. And there would be times to go, okay, guys, hold on. Actually, I have to do my job. But for a good month and a half, that's all he did was, okay, I'm here. He'd be in his work uniform and everything. And then later in the same game, our music producer, Timmy Skittles, he had to he had to go away for a while and he Skyped in. And it was one of those things that you don't realize that you need. 
our group that meets every Thursday comes from three different cities. And yet there are times when we just can't make that drive. And it's really nice to be able to sit down with everyone and be able to get together and play even if everyone isn't physically able to be there. And I I suppose that's really what this whole episode is about. Yes, when we do play on virtual tabletops, we're losing a lot. We're losing the sense pleasure that we get from rolling the wonderfully plastic dice. We miss a little bit of moving the miniatures around. We miss seeing the excellent artwork in the book. We miss a bit of the fellowship. We don't get to high-five people when we have that wonderful crit. We don't get to yell and scream so loud that the neighbors are telling us, hey, quiet down. You don't get to hug your friends afterward and go, hey, same time next week. I love you, man. It's great. And when we lose that, we, we are losing a lot of gaming. But we do gain flexibility. We do gain the ability to play more often. We do get to the ability to play with people who might not be able to be there. And it's one of the things that makes me so happy to be a gamer in these modern times yeah it's it's about being able to do what we couldn't do before and that is play consistently and play with the people who might not be able to be there physically and while personally having played in a game where we played sometimes in person and sometimes from a distance i remember one time we got to play in person after playing from a distance for almost two months Uh, it was a weekly game so this would be about eight or nine sessions where we didn't get together face to face and then finally we were all able to get together face to face and one of my one of my players said this is just satisfying in a way that that playing online isn't why don't we do this every time and i'm like because of all the reasons we don't do it every time you know the fact that we can't physically be together every time we we aren't always able to make the drive Uh, We live in a crazy modern time with people having to do all sorts of things to, to live their best life. And this is just another tool we have toward being able to experience the joy of gaming with our friends, our family, and the people we love. Alright, so the last thing I do want to say about this is that gamers like playing together. We like being able to play together. This isn't really a new thing. Virtual tabletops are just an extension of the old message boards, the old play-by-post 2nd edition D&D games that people used to play. And even that is really just an extension of the old play-by-mail chess games that the Victorians would play to keep themselves from being bored to death. Yeah, so, I mean, this is just a evolution of something that gamers have been doing for a very long time. And this is an amazing extension of it, and we are excited to see what the future holds for this, uh, especially with things like internet speeds going up and the availability of these technologies becoming more and more accessible to everyday people. All right, so what do we have for the next episode? It says... A touch of RPG? What is that about? Oh, we're going to be talking about RPG light games. Games that are kind of between the transition from tabletop board game to tabletop RPG. Those games that straddle that line with some role-playing elements and some pretty solid tabletop elements. So I'm really excited to talk about that. I know we're going to be talking about some things that some of our listeners with more experience in this are going to immediately bring to mind, but I think we're going to have some things that will surprise them or or make them think differently about games in general. So it's going to be really cool. Wonderful. Once again, this has been Save versus Rant. This is the beginning of Season 2. Thank you all for coming with us on the journey so far, and thank you very much for listening.
The advance of technology is based on making it fit in so that you don't really even notice it, so it's part of everyday life. Bill Gates. Save vs. Rant is a Tabletop Gamers Guild production. Your hosts are John and Jeremy, with music by Timmy Skittles. New episodes are released on the first and third Monday of each month. Save vs. Rant is recorded on dueling laptops in front of a silent and invisible studio audience. Visit us at SaveVsRant.com or contact us on Facebook or Twitter at Save vs. Rant. We'd love to hear from you.